Could all my experiences be part of a dream? Perhaps I'm a brain in a vat, or reality is some kind of simulation and I'm completely deceived. These kinds of sceptical doubts come under something called philosophical scepticism. Well, in this episode, I talk to Professor Henrik Legeland about the nature of scepticism, its history, and its practical applications for us today. As always, I hope you enjoy the episode. If you do, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, and you can also find more under Digital Gnosis on YouTube. Thank you. So I'm talking to Professor Henrik Lenglund. Uh, have I pronounced that correctly? Lagerlund, yeah, it's, it's okay. uh, Lagerlund, it's fine. Yeah. Um, and you teach philosophy at Stockholm University, is that right? That's, that's right, yeah. yeah. And, and um, on your Twitter profile, it says that you kind of specialize in Renaissance and medieval philosophy. Would, you say, would that be like broadly your kind of area? Um, or, or is there some other branch that you'd want to kind of say you're more kind of that's your thing? No, I, I, most of my work has been in medieval and sort of late medieval Renaissance uh, philosophy. What, what qualifies as Renaissance, I guess, at the time period. I mean, Renaissance is one of those tricky sort of things to define, particularly in philosophy, whether there actually is a Renaissance in philosophy. But, but that time period, sort of up to, up to sort of 16, 16, late 16th century. Okay. Awesome. That's been my sort of area. And then, of course, now that I've written this book on skepticism, I've sort of branched out and, and uh, includes a little which includes a little more than just medieval and Renaissance philosophy. So, so yeah, that's what I, I was thinking. We could we could start by kind of broadly talking about skepticism, um, because I guess um, for a lot of my guests who who watch my channel, um, they maybe. Um, I think it's about like maybe a 50-50 split between say like, because um, I started the channel as a Christian to do apologetics. And I'm no mm. longer a Christian now, but it's like a 50-50 split between Christians maybe who would use philosophy as a thing for them to maybe understand their own their own faith or, or what they believe. Another maybe 50% of atheists who um, skepticism, they might want to brand themselves as skeptics, quote, you know, like about, about um, certain religious claims or maybe about... Um, you know claims about um the flat earth or you know vaccines yeah. and things like yeah. that but um which would be maybe the practical application but then also within philosophy when we're talking about skepticism maybe it's something different so um do you want to give like a brief introduction to what skepticism is um what 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 do you mean by skepticism when it when you're talking about it well i mean the book is about the history of skepticism okay. so it's um it's, it covers the, the discussion of skepticism from ancient times to contemporary, to contemporary philosophy. And I have actually a chapter, uh, the last chapter is on skepticism in a sort of non-philosophical context where I try to branch out and talk about skepticism like the ones you mentioned, uh, the anti-vaxxers or, or, or skepti skepticism towards climate change and, uh, and things like that. Uh, so, of course, it varies over history what skepticism is. Mm. Uh, you have uh, the beginning of skepticism is, is, um, is in, in, the, in the Hellenistic uh, uh, times where, where uh, you get two schools of skepticism. One, the academic schools, which is the sort of gross out of Plato's academy. Uh, and then, uh, and then you get the Pyrrhonian skepticism, which is maybe the most sort of famous 
famous ones, and those are the only ones that actually call themselves skeptics. And, and for them, then skepticism is foremost a position that's defined sort of against any kind of dogmatism. And a skeptic is not supposed to hold any beliefs. A skeptic uh, questions things and, and puts up sort of arguments opposing each other. And for any position, the task of a skeptic is to, is to sort of put up counter arguments. So in the end, uh, the idea is that you have these arguments that weigh the same. Sort of. So you have arguments on one side and then you have arguments on the other side and, and what to do. I mean, there's no preference here to. So the, the prudent thing then for, for a skeptic, a Pyrrhonian skeptic, is to suspend judgment. And uh, they think that suspending judgment also leads to what they call in Greek ataraxia, which is sort of mental tranquility and some and some sort of which in turn will make us sort of lead to, to happiness, they think. In, in this um, ancient period, are they kind of as obsessed with kind of defining terms like belief or knowledge as we kind of seem to be in the more modern philosophical period? They are to some extent. They're not. Uh, I mean, there's a, there's already obviously beginning in Plato a, 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 a discussion of what is knowledge and and what is belief and does knowledge require belief and truth, but does it also require something more? So, so the debate that we are so fa familiar with today about true justified beliefs being knowledge is is there already, although it's not expressed maybe in the same clear way as, as, as we would have it. It's become an occupation of the later kind of later 20th century philosophy of, of this, this sort of defining knowledge and trying to, which I think came out of a certain kind of philosophy uh, uh, beginning, of the, beginning of the 20th century then. Uh, and you see that uh, a lot uh, in how, how to sort of understand these terms in, in, in early sort of 20th century philosophy. But, so it wasn't sort of a, a clear preoccupation, but obviously there was already there a, a, a sort of uh, a discussion and a sort of uh, uh, thinking about what knowledge and, and what beliefs were. But, but interestingly, the, the, the ancient debate, and I point that out in the book, is, is is interestingly more about, about whether we can have true beliefs about the world and less about knowledge. I try to sort of emphasize in the book that, that it, it becomes, and that's, that, that I think has to do with the Christian context actually. Okay. Uh, it, it comes with, um, with Augustine, this, because the way, because he, the first, uh, uh, the first um, book he writes after sort of having converted to to Catholicism is a book against the academic skeptics. Right. Oh, he he has uh, so Cicero wrote a, wrote famous sort of histories of of, of academic skeptics. He was himself an academic skeptic, and and he then he then sort of tried to lay down what the what the academic uh, because we have very little sources. Right? As you might know, the ancient sources are, are very sort of uh, are few and, and right. all, not always that sort of reliable. 
But Cicero has sort of made an effort to try to sort of record what academic skepticism was. And it's that position that Augustine takes up in his first, actual first work as a, as a converted Christian. Uh, so for him, it was obviously a, an important, as a Christian, it was important to sort of, okay, get rid of, we have to sort of get rid of skepticism. Yeah. That, that's really the first thing he does before he feels like he can move on to sort of say, say other things. And, and is but, this attempt kind of successful then um, to ki uh, kind of, you know, if, you, if, if in the kind of predominantly Hellenistic period, you have uh, the, these kind of skeptic groups, the Pyrenees and uh, others, is, mm. is it when um, Christianity kind of comes to the forefront and a lot of the, the thinkers are Christian and, and obviously, um, you know, the, perhaps theologically motivated, we have to be able to have have knowledge of God and have certainty and things like that. Um, do, does this kind of push out skepticism from for a while, or is it something? It does, that yeah. okay. No, it does. It, it pushes it out uh, quite quite clearly, and and due mostly to Augustine. Right. It, it is true. I mean, and and as I write in the book, the, the, it is true that that Cicero, for example, who wrote in latin and you didn't need to translate any of the the greek into into latin uh, which uh, was different of course with sextus because sextus is writes in greek so his book isn't available for a long period of time in the in the sort of medieval latin tradition mm -hmm. because but cicero is so cicero continues to be read but always with from this sort of uh, perspective of augustine as as recording a position that sort of has really been refuted and by most people, of course. Mm -hmm. I mean, what uh, uh, there are some some people that um, uh, early on that uh, that probably can be qualified as skeptics in the early medieval times as well, but uh, and then are sort of academic skeptics. But there, there are very few of them, and, and and on the whole, Augustine was very successful. And it's interesting that. He brings back the idea of knowledge. It's not just belief. It's now knowledge that, that the skeptics were against. So you have to defend the knowledge of God and knowledge of, of, of the world. That's what he's doing. And at the same time, he brings in these concepts that forever becomes associated with skepticism after him, namely doubt and certainty. So these, these terms, I think, fits so well in a, in, a, in a kind of religious context. You, you doubt uh, the existence of God or you're certain about it. And, and, uh, and skepticism is seen as, as a position in which you doubt God or you doubt uh, um, uh, uh, the existence of knowledge. Uh, and, and, and knowledge comes with certainty and, 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 and such things. And this, this sort of co contrast is very clearly sort of uh, emphasized and, and very clearly sort of written up by, by Augustine. Uh, so, but, and those, when, whenever you, you later on in history find a discussion of skepticism, those two terms are there. So skepticism is about doubting, whether it's a, uh, about doubting God as religious skepticism, or whether it's about doubting uh, the truth about beliefs or evidence for beliefs or knowledge. It's always, skepticism is always after that associated with doubt. 
which is not the case in in the in the ancient debate before Augustine. Mm-hmm. So a Pyrrhonian skeptic doesn't doubt. A, a Pyrrhonian skeptic uh, uh, sort of builds up towards what is Greek, what in Greek is called this aporia, which is sort of this. Uh, it's not doubt, but it's like a you're at a loss about how things are or something like that, because you get these conflicting sort of uh, positions, the equivalent positions that, right. they, that you sort of uh, then, then have to sort of suspend judgment about. Could you, could you talk but, about that word, that word equipollent? Cause I've heard, um, I have actually, I've heard that word used before when I first, when I first started kind of looking into philosophy, but I never really have come across it its usage much and even as uh, searching for it i find like maybe it's use in geometry or something like that but not actually in, in this kind of a uh, discussion around uh knowledge and belief and stuff like that and, no that's right i mean it's it's a uh, it's it's used in the medieval times so in logic you find equipollent sort of uh, uh, uh rules of equipollence and having to do with inference so, but that's a different thing than than the skeptical equipollence. The skeptical equipollence is is a is building these these sets of arguments or sets of of, of uh, opinions that count that are contradictory or that are stand against each other. And they they then are the ones that you sort of survey as a skeptic, where you and then you you can't see that there's more evidence for one than for the other so so that's then what so equipollence is a ground for for suspension of of judgment or or epoche as they call it in 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 greek okay yeah. so that's that's the that's their sort of ideal equipollence the idea as such was developed actually in the in the in the in the Platonic academic school first, as, as putting up opposed views against each other. But it's then taken over by the, by the Pyrrhonian skeptics and used explicitly as a tool to, and here's where the sort of, where the famous sort of tropes of the skeptical tropes, they, they come in here on, on supposed to help the skeptic to create these equipollent kind of, uh, kind of positions of, of opinions. Is, is there much influence of then um, these kind of skeptic um, authors in the Islamic world? When Because my understanding is that the Islamic world has more exposure to manuscripts and, uh, and stuff in, in the kind of before the Crusades. And uh, it, yeah. do, does that affect Isla- Islamic thinking of some of the big, big kind of uh, big theologians and philosophers? No, it doesn't. Uh, interestingly, uh, uh... Sextus was not translated into into Arabic, okay. and Cicero was not available either. So there was no knowledge of the ancient skeptical discussions in the Arabic uh, in the Arabic. But that doesn't mean that there wasn't skepticism in, in, in the Arabic tradition. There's a there's a well known sort of uh, 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 skepticism emerging out of out of all the I mean, the Arabic, the, the, the Muslim tradition is, is in the beginning very, there's, there's many sort of conflicting religious sort of s- small kind of schools and, and 
there's no unified sort of idea in the beginning of how to interpret sort of the uh, the Quran and and the and the 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 lives of the life of Muhammad and 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 uh, so there, there's there's many sort of sects which uh, which have different sort of interpretation and views and that creates sort of this ground for 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 skepticism because because you can't sort of which one is actually the the right one. I mean, this is corrected, obviously, after a while when you get the, the big theological tradition uh, go, sort of sets, sets up the, the mutakalimum and, the, and, and that discussion. But, but it, there is there in the beginning uh, and throughout uh, a, a kind of skeptical attitude towards other schools that sort of that is that is. I guess I should say it's part of the, the, the Muslim and, and, and uh, Arabic tradition. Uh, but then, of course, the most famous discussion in that tradition of skepticism is, is, is Ghazali's uh, criticism and rejection of, of the philosophers of Avicenna and, and, and Al-Farabi. And, and that, that contains some really interesting skeptical arguments where he sort of attacks philosophy from a kind of skeptical point of view. Um, uh, and uh, and he's, he also has this, uh, this treatise that in, in, in English would be something like the deliverance from uh, uh, error or something like that, where, where, he, uh, where he describes his own kind of, uh, he had this religious crisis later on, later on in life after having been an enormously successful teacher and, 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 um, and lawyer, he, he had this skeptical crisis. And in this work, he describes his skeptical, his, his sort of, his, 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 uh, his the, the way that he went into sort of doubting uh, uh, things. And, and it's very, it's almost like a Cartesian sort of meditation. It's very similar to, to, to uh, in, in style anyway, to, to, and, and in also, in some sense, it's similar in its conclusion that it is in God that you find the, the sort of foundation for, 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 uh, for knowledge and for, for, um, uh, for faith. Uh, so, but, but, but the, the, the way he reaches sort of that foundation is, is, is through this, this doubt of, of, uh, and through a kind of skepticism. So, so it's it's there in the in the in the in the Islamic tradition as well, but it doesn't have the same sources as as the Latin sort of uh, Christian or medieval sort of Christian uh, discussions. So, so where do we see then in the kind of um, Christian tradition that um, these thinkers start taking skepticism perhaps more seriously again, um, or may, maybe, I mean. I think I think the big point is going to be Descartes, of course, for for um, philosophical skepticism. But like b before, then with kind of like the Scholastics, with uh, maybe even a, a bit further back with Thomas Aquinas. What, what's it? Do people just kind of start thinking? Um, you know, it, there's some source documents that emerge, and and someone you know someone starts thinking, oh, hang on, there's um, all this stuff we hadn't thought about or considered. Or how how does that kind of story yeah yeah it's it's uh, it, it's actually very interesting because of 
um, Augustine, the way Augustine sort of uh, neutralized the kind of academic skepticism and and uh, the the enormous influence in, in the in the in the from the eleventh century and the twelfth century of, of Avicenna and Aristotle, and and those two are, are are interesting thinkers because they're they're these extraordinary optimists about about knowledge. They they don't have a skeptical bone in their body at all, neither of them. So when they become the dominant sort of uh, influence on, on, on the Western, Western philosophy, skepticism is just sort of not an issue. It just sort of, it's not, it's not really talked about. I mean, it's not, not even Augustine. I mean, it's so, they're so dominant that the, that the Augustinian uh, uh, tradition becomes sort of, uh, comes even on the back, uh, back burner. But, in in the in the 13th century, uh, there's there, something happens. There, that's of course the time period when Aristotle is is at the height of his influence in the Western on on Western on the Western world. And towards the end of of the of the uh, 13th century, you see the emergence of 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 criticisms of. Uh, of Aristotle, you have the, condom, the famous condemnations in in both Paris and and and, uh, and Oxford against against the views of of, of Aristotle and the Averroists, the sort of gung ho Aristotelians. And at that point, uh, people start sort of uh, uh, formulating uh, uh, questions about knowledge and and. So there's a shift here somehow in, 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 that occurs towards the late 13th, early 14th century, <clears throat> where, where, where from having been this, this, this debate dominated foremost by these two metaphysical thinkers, you, certainly, you, you suddenly start to see criticism of that metaphysics, which in turn generates epistemological issues and problems that needs to be dealt with. And, and uh, you, you see it very clearly in that uh, Cicero and Augustine becomes read again at this point. These sort of skeptical, the skepticals, of course, discuss, Augustine is read throughout, but, but they, only, they, they only look at, at the other works of, of Augustine, not the skeptical sort of works or, the, or the, the, the refutations of skepticism. They become read again and referred to. And there is, and this is still a little bit of a mystery in the history of history of philosophy. There is from this time period, the first Latin translation of Sextus outlines of, of Pyrrhonism is done. It's, uh, we don't quite know who did this translation. It exists today in three manuscripts that uh, are one in Venice, one in Madrid, and one in Paris. But it's very difficult to see if it had really any influence on the debate. But but I note this in the book, and I sort of it's a of course a funny coincidence that at the very same time as these questions start to pop up, there's also a translation of this, a Latin trans, a complete translation of, of this uh, this important work. But 
And then, of course, what happens in the early 14th century is, uh, for various reasons, I'm not going to go into the details, the, the details are in the book, but there's a new argument, new skeptical argument that emerges in the beginning of the 14th century. And that's the sort of, uh, the, the issue whether God could be a deceiver. Right. So is it possible, given God's omnipotence, that he deceive that he's deceiving us and of course the mere possibility that this is the this is this this could be the case raises the skeptical worry that that uh, uh, we might not then have warrant for any of our beliefs about the external world so what 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 uh, this argument brings forth is of course exactly the kind of argument that uh, that Descartes uses in in the in the in the first meditation of the meditations of, of, of philosophy or first philosophy. So, so is this the appropriate point to move on to Descartes then and talk about his his sort of three waves of doubt or are that yeah 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 we can we can do that. I mean, th this is the the, the emergence of this uh, 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 skeptical discussion in the 14th century. I think it's very important. Uh, and I think it sheds light on, at least I try to argue that in the book, sheds light on how we should read the, the, um, the 16th century, which of course is when ancient skepticism and Pyrrhonism has, is reintroduced and is really uh, a major influence uh, on philosophy. And, and, and that stands then as a background to, to, uh, to Descartes. So I, I think... Um... In most philosophy courses, um, Descartes probably the first um, place that people are introduced to a kind of skepticism, where it's like, um, or or maybe maybe people watch The Matrix first, uh, one or <laughs> the other. And then, maybe. Um, and do, do you want to kind of briefly go into then Descartes' kind of um, thinking in in the meditations, or maybe the the discourse on method, um, where it like what what's kind of influencing Descartes skepticism here what what's his trade of thought well there's a there's some bit of discussion on has the views I think has changed a little bit in among scholars about about how to understand what Descartes is really doing I think that the the the, the the previous or earlier reading of this uh, which is sort of uh, Richard Popkin was very influential in in, in understanding Descartes in this way he, of course, was the one that brought out these 16th century sort of skeptical discussion and interprets them as a background. He sees, he sees a crisis emerging, emerging in sort of Western thought at this time due to skepticism. And Descartes' uh, aim is really to, to sort of uh, reject that skepticism. Uh, and uh, that's why he begins then the meditations, the first meditation with the skeptic, with these skeptical arguments, uh, arguments about against the sort of doubts about about uh, sense perception, uh, the dream doubt, and of course the the evil demon doubt. So that's how it's it's interpreted. But I think people have have changed their views, and and this is, has to do with. So uh, decades of, of serious uh, scholarship on, on, on Descartes, where people want to reread some of, 
of, of, of the meditation and some of what Descartes is doing and, and say that, no, 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 he's not really at all worried about skepticism. He's, he's not aiming to, to, um, to sort of counter skepticism. He's merely using skepticism as a, as a method. Skepticism is for him a way to reach uh, a foundation uh, the cogito uh, to sort of to to, uh, to sort of ground knowledge, obviously. But foremost, I think the more more recent interpretation has to do with he's really interested in in developing a new sort of idea of mind, a new theory of mind, which is based on this this cogito sort of and and, and some the innate innate sort of uh, ideas. And that's his main concern that he's developing this, which then can act as a, as a sort of, a, as a foundation for, for the rest of the, the philosophy. So that's what he's really doing. And, and what he's doing in, in the first meditation is actually, uh, uh, because what the arguments, the skeptical arguments are meant to cast doubt on any theory that's, that's an, any empirical theory. So I think what he has in mind, he has the scholastic sort of Aristotelian empiricists in mind, like Soares and maybe Aquinas. He has them in mind and he throws out these skeptical arguments against any such theory that bases any, any knowledge or any content on the mind on, on sense perception. And sort of saying that they can't, you can't really get past these these arguments, so we has to we have to develop something different, and that's what he does in in the second and third meditation. He he finds finds this 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 uh, basis then in innate ideas, and then in in the third meditation he develops this this theory of ideas, uh, and um, and and that's uh, so that's been so, sort of a, a different, but of course, what's important for getting himself out of the skeptical uh, worry that he's set up is, is the idea of the existence of God. And, and so the idea of God becomes, as it did for Ghazali, becomes the foundation for his, for his philosophy. Is it, is it culturally worth perhaps mentioning, um, in terms of skepticism at the time, maybe people were quite certain about um, various kind of theological truths certain of um scholastic type thinking and then you've got things happening with say people like galileo or copernicus which is kind of changing quite fundamentally the way that people look at the world and view it and um does this influence the thoughts around skepticism at this point are people kind of going um oh you know that we we kind of thought that this is the way things work but we were we were very wrong about that so what else are we wrong about or is is there much of that going on well yeah that's a very good question it's uh i mean the the way and of course then again this is also controversial i mean how people mm. people vary on how to interpret this but and and um but the way skepticism is brought up by someone like Montaigne, for example. So, so Montaigne has a very, in, in the apology for Raymond Sabon, um, he, 
he has a very specific sort of project there in mind. He's he is uh, he's a Catholic, and uh, but at the same time, in the, the area where he lives, uh, close to Switzerland and and uh, and, and southern France, where uh, and Spain, where sort of um, where, where Calvinism has started to sort of spread, and of course these are the these are the this is the period where where you have these uh, these wars over 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 Catholicism and and and, and Lutheranism, at least partly motivated by those by those, and 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 he he uses their skepticism as part of of um, of an argument for for Catholicism. Okay. Where, where, where we sort of, and, and the way it's been interpreted is that, that, um, uh, that uh, Montaigne is a, is a fideist in the sense that he, he thinks that, that only so believe, sort of only, you, you can't, faith can only be grounded on, on sort of, on beliefs. It can't be, reason has nothing to sort of, to, to do really. To, to can't justify faith in any way. Yeah. And uh, he's, show, he's using skepticism to show how powerless reason is to okay. hear. So that's how he's using skepticism as, as a, and then, and then grounds, grounds sort of his, his own beliefs and uh, based on, based on that. And, and, um, that so so there is this there is this debate at, at, at the time of course or, or, or at the time about about the place of faith and Catholicism versus Calvinism and and and, and such. I mean, it's like Descartes was not really part of that debate. I mean, he he is uh, he has a very specific project I think in mind in the meditations. And and uh, it's important for him that God exists and, and that God is is uh, is the sort of person he is. But but God is really only a theoretical kind of tool for him to 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 ground uh, uh, to ground sort of his um, his and uh, make it possible for him to sort of get outside of the of the mind <laughs> into the world again. So that's an, an interesting point that you raise about um, the sort of because um, because I hadn't really thought much. Cal Calvinism takes a very different view of um, knowledge once more and skepticism and um, this kind of idea of the direct um, in the the direct action of God, as it were, to kind of defeat skepticism, almost Im implanting this this belief in in someone. Um, yeah. And that's a very different avenue. So, is is that a correct kind of framing of the of the avenue that they take? And then, would the Catholic avenue be we've got this historic tradition and um, the magisterium, etc., that gives us um, more epistemic uh, justification or something? Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I, I think there is there is part of that. Certainly, certainly for Montaigne, it becomes an argument for tradition, so skepticism. So. So he uses, for example, it's important for Sextus that, uh, I mean, a skeptic, even though a skeptic doesn't uh, hold any beliefs, he thinks, he, they were criticized by the, or they were criti enormously criticized for this idea that, 
a skeptic doesn't hold any beliefs because of course if you don't hold any beliefs how are you supposed to act how are you supposed to do anything mm. you need beliefs to to live in your I mean, of course Hume Hume later on makes this makes sort of fun of this idea that that the skeptics can't hold any beliefs but but Sextus nevertheless withheld this and he said well of course a skeptic lives in a society because a skeptic still holds on to traditional views and 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 even though they don't believe them they follow them so they go to church they do the things and and Montaigne uses that sort of falling back on tradition that you have to in these volatile times uh, when this debate is going on you have to you have to follow the tradition you have to stick to what you sort of what you've been brought up with and and what your your society sort of uh, uh, the rules your society has etc so then how how does skepticism kind of progress on from so you mentioned david hume there and he's probably yeah. another important thinker in the kind of the skeptics yes. story he is of course very important uh, he, I mean, maybe there's no one that is as clearly associated with skepticism in the, besides maybe Descartes uh, as, as, as you and his, uh, the, the idea in him that, uh, for example, we can't, um, we can't have any, uh, any sort of uh, justification of causal relationships, for example. There's only an impression and then another impression, but there's no sort of there's nothing, no necessary connection here between them. So you, you um, or at least we can't perceive a necessary connection. So the only thing we have knowledge of is, is one event here and one event here. And we can't draw any conclusions from this, whether this is gonna be the case in the future or whether this is gonna uh, change. There's no grounds for any certainty here. There's only grounds for, for probability. And this is mostly motivated by his empiricism. So because he's saying it has to come from the external world and there's no simple impression of a lot of these things, there's no simple impression of causation or of, um, yeah. Yeah. So. yeah, well, the ideas that we have have to be sort of um, analyzed back into simple impressions. And if they can't, they're most likely sort of fantasies and... and uh, and made up and of course and we don't have such an idea of we might we have we have a philosophical idea of a necessary connection but we can't find any any impression that supports this so the only support we that he that he uh, uh, puts forward is the is the is the idea of custom it has been so in the past so we must assume that it's going to be so in the future but of course, there's no necessity there at all. Uh, it's just uh, any kind of matter of fact that he talks about. It's only, only merely probable. So, um, and, and, I, oh, sorry, are you. No, do you wanna, no, no, I was no. just going to check. Are you okay for time, by the way? Because I don't want to overrun. Uh, no, I'm fine. I, I, okay, awesome. Yeah. Um. So, so then maybe. If, is, is there any much more to say about Hume or is it worth going on to the kind of... Well, I mean, the, the Hume is interesting in the sense that he's, he, he discusses a lot of kinds of skepticism. So he talks about Descartes sort of 
evil demon kind of skepticism, external world skepticism. He talks about the Pyrrhonian skepticism uh, and he talks about the academic skepticism. And then he talks about a, a fourth kind of skepticism that he derives from, from Pierre Bale, which has to do with uh, Bale and Berkeley is his sort of, uh, uh, and, and, and that, that has to do with the sort of questioning the distinction between primary and secondary qualities that becomes so important in, in, in early modern philosophy after Descartes. So these are the four kinds of skepticism that he outlines. And, and um, the fourth kind, the academic skepticism that he outlines is the position I think that he is himself closest to. Uh, and, and, but for him, skepticism is mostly about sort of reigning in sort of reason he has this uh, very interesting uh, discussion in his very last uh, works, uh, which is more, which are mostly sort of the, the religious works, uh, the criticism, the dialogues of natural religion, and and and, 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 and like that. There, he he says that we must we must always find the balance between sort of uh, between. Uh, 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 sort of reason, with reason sort of, um, and, and, and bringing reason sort of into what, what he calls common life. So whenever reason sort of goes off sort of on the tangent and starts talking about the immortal souls and, and metaphysical speculation, it's skepticism's role to sort of rein in reason and pull reason back into sort of common life. Because, because of course we must be able to trust reason when it comes to, to, to ordinary common life and moral, moral sort of life, because reasons are, we, we, we act on reasons, according to you. But reason has a tendency to sort of get unhinged and, and skepticism just for him plays the role of bringing, bringing reason back to common life. So I found that, I find that I, I talked about that in the book and I find that a very interesting, interesting idea of how how, how skepticism can sort of uh, play this play this role of of of, uh, of 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 making us sort of making reason uh, uh, something that um, uh, that is less sort of extravagant or that mm. belongs more to sort of uh, morality and and, uh, and and how we act. So are you talking about maybe, do you mean by that perhaps the tendency that we might have to, um, it, when you're talking about this grand metaphysical picture, maybe something like Aristotelianism might be a good example where there's maybe one too many um, steps from reality, as it were, in, in that kind of picture. And then skepticism can be something that kind of trims off those uh, and makes it a bit more applicable to how do we live our life you know maybe we take something like virtue ethics out of aristotelianism but the the um teleologically yeah. aimed rocks that desire to fall towards the center of the earth or something get trimmed off or something. yeah something like that the more sort of fancy the more sort of extravagant metaphysical sort of bit something like platonism or the existence of forms and things like that so uh, skepticism can sort of rein in philosophy and make it more sort of grounded in in, in reality in some sense. Um, 
and, and, and then such it can function as it does for you as a criticism of metaphysics. But I think skepticism is very important because it, it balances our uh, balances as us. Of course, too much skepticism, and we tend to we lose out on knowledge, potential knowledge, and too little skepticism, and we get sort of susceptible to all kinds of uh, of uh, uh, fake uh, news and, and idea and ideas that sort of are. So so skepticism, I think. Uh, used properly has has this balancing sort of role, I think, and, and I think that's exactly what I what I what I want to take out on or take out of you is this this balancing that that uh, that skepticism seems to have for him. So, are there um who who would you say the main kind of um, thinkers uh, skeptics would be in the kind of um 20th century early on kind of thing or who who, who would the people because in that bridging period between what i'd call like modern modern and kind of um and hume there who, who are those me, those main characters that are thinking well the, the main debate in the early 20th century uh, about skepticism is 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 more in wittgenstein okay yeah you have a it's i mean it's more is more is tricky because of course he's he is uh, really mainly concerned, I think, with rejecting idealism. Okay. Because, of course, because before, uh, before the Cambridge philosophy got going, uh, British philosophy was sort of dominated by idealism and a, a certain kind of idealism that was influenced by Berkeley, but also influenced by Hegel. Right. And... and uh, uh, it was more, uh, more, and and uh, the early Wittgenstein and and uh, and Russell were sort of rejecting that kind of that kind of tradition, particularly more and 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 Russell in the in the beginning. Uh, uh, so, but but more has a has a, has a couple of essays that became very very important. Sort of, he has this um, proof of the external world, for example. Is one of his essays, uh, uh, um, and and then he has a has a few others, where he tries to reject idealism, but but he's also he's also addressing skepticism. So that's where he sort of uh, this proof of that this is a hand and this is yeah. a hand and you know those those uh, those famous uh, proofs that people nowadays sort of laugh at, but. Uh, but uh, but but that's sort of his sort of his yeah. his discussion, and of course that's that's the that's the starting point for for Wittgenstein's discussion in in on uncertainty. Uh, those those essays by Moore is his starting point, and and he sort of um, he very aptly sort of analyzes analyzes in the beginning of uncertainty how Moore goes wrong, because of course what he has shown is not. Is is he's shown that he's only certain of this subjective sort of uh, certainty that it, this is an this is a hand. Yeah. Yes, it seems to be. I'm subjectively sort of certain of it, but he hasn't shown anything about what the skeptic is really talking about, mm. namely the external world, the objective sort of uh, aspect of this. Does Wittgenstein then kind of succeed in getting to as to some objective knowledge in some sense, or? 
Well, he his analysis, of course, and th this is the later Wittgenstein we're talking about. So, okay. Which is which is uh, uh, the Wittgenstein of, of philosophical investigations, and 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 uh, he's less uh, concerned with with knowledge. He's more concerned with language and, and yeah. language use. And for on his analysis, then of course skepticism becomes a becomes nonsensical because it's uh, it's doubt expressed in a, the philosopher's doubt is a doubt expressed in a in a kind of strange language game that none of us are really involved in playing. Right. So when when a skeptic comes around with his his or her doubt, it doesn't make sense to any of us in a yeah. in in the normal language game game that we that we yeah. play. So, so that's his analysis. And that, of course, was for a long time an extraordinarily powerful way of, of canceling out skepticism. Wittgenstein, after the Second World War, was very influential. And, and skepticism becomes a non-issue for a long period of time. In the, in the 80s, uh, 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 the, the Canadian philosopher, um, uh, Barry Stroud publishes this book, The Significance of Philosophical Skepticism. And there he goes back to Descartes and, and, start, and talking about skepticism, real skepticism, sort of real skepticism in a sense, uh, again. And, and, um, and he does a lot in that book to, to rehabilitate, the, uh, the, um, rehabilitate skepticism for a kind of uh, late 20th century, 21st century kind of kind of audience. So there, there's much more serious de debates and discussion about of skepticism within epistemology and other areas after after that. What well, what is the kind of um, modern then take on on skepticism? It, because I think there's there's a lot of things going on, right? There's like um, academic philosophy and the way that the university system the modern university system structured and how that then encourages certain types of of thinking or so you know people but you know because maybe because to pl to play that game people have to produce papers and things and and maybe it's not so you know it's not in the same way as maybe the ancient philosophers where it's like a a, a way of living in a, in a sense it's a bit different no, um, so really a way of living for anyone in academia uh, and how anymore. so how, how what it what what's kind of going on around skepticism then in 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 the modern academic sense so then maybe we could come on to like the practical maybe common the, the implications for your average person who isn't in academia as well of skepticism as a mm -hmm. modern person mm -hmm. well i mean i think uh, uh, to some extent contemporary academia and, and uh and the way, sort of, uh, particularly in philosophy, I think, uh, the way the way the sort of um, uh, the way it's structured and the way a career sort of path looks for for a philosopher, it, I think uh, I think actually promotes kind of skepticism and and cynicism. Okay. Maybe I have a bit in, in in the very last chapter of the book where I talk about the relationship of cynicism and, and skepticism, but but I think that promotes some because. In many ways, uh, many of young philosophers are sort of taught and become sort of experts at finding faults with arguments and, and developing theories or, or 
about small aspects of something and saying something about some little bit of, I mean, you're adding, uh, particularly in epistemology, I think you're adding a very little thing to a, to a sort of the, the story uh, and, and, or you're criticizing some little thing in, 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 in a story, which I think tends to promote this, 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 this almost, uh, I mean, a, a kind of philosophy that, that I think Plato would have hated, namely the, 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 the sophists, a sophist kind of, a kind of sophism uh, where people have lost track of, of, of a little bit lost track of the truth mm. and instead are, are just playing a game yeah uh, and and as long as you get your stuff published in the in the in the right journals you'll have a great career uh, and get to teach at at, uh, at well-known universities but uh, so so is it almost as if in you know like what what you were saying some of what you were saying before um skepticism it's like if it, you know if you, if you don't have it then there's this tendency at one end but if you've got it too much you've got the cynicism it can kind of just become yeah. uh, it, you're saying maybe within academia it's the the too much skepticism and it's being I, I think it's I think I think in many that there are aspects of it which has sort of certainly entered into too much skepticism too much uh, uh too much this rejection you, the attitude is, is always to find faults it's 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 exactly the the kind of attitude that the pyrrhonian skeptics have when when there is a uh, an arm the, the kind of philosophy that the stoics in, in that time that were active that absolutely hated because they 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 were proposing something and then you had immediately uh, counter arguments and 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 uh, and then you so the, this this idea of creating a situation where there's what are you there's no you you you're choosing based based on faith rather than rather than actual arguments right yeah and of course the prudent skeptics won't choose at that point because because yeah so yeah. So no, it's a, but but there's certainly great. I mean, I, I shouldn't say that that goes for all philosophy. Obviously, yeah. there's certainly great, uh, uh, great philosophy going on, and, and uh, I mean, there are these interesting issues nowadays of, which I touch upon in the last chapter. Uh, that I think is related to skepticism. You get uh, worries about whether, whether uh, uh, scientific results can be replicated, for example, mm. and and that's. That that is, I think, a, a problem that's that's grounded really in in too much skepticism. Science is fueled by skepticism, and part of the scientific method is is skepticism towards uh, towards new theories and, and new ideas. But uh, uh, but too much of that, I think, fuels this this uh, this uh, what 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 fuels this skepticism about scientific results in general. And then, on the other hand, you have you have these these questions about uh, about uh, uh, um, uh, what's it called now? Um, uh, people that study sort of why why groups and and people uh, tend not to believe in things that are that are sort of uh, uh, that are uh, uh, yeah that have strong evidence and. and uh, and instead, they tend to believe their own their own things. For example, 
climate skepticism is one such thing. There's this enormous skepticism against uh, against uh, science and against uh, uh, yeah knowledge that we that we sort of uh, everybody that works in the field would say is is clearly sort of uh, based on 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 evidence and the best science we have. But still, they refuse to accept uh, uh, such things. So, so what can people learn then from skepticism, I suppose? Um, knowledge into... resistance, that's what I was thinking. The knowledge resistance sort of the projects. Uh, yeah, I was, I, was, sorry, I was going to just say, into, so like say people are faced with, um, you know, various conflicting um, stories on social media about news events, um, perhaps machine learning algorithms, which are trying to polarize them into a particular camp to capture their yeah. attention more. Um, yeah. Perhaps, uh, you know, Alex Jones types, people coming, you know, trying to, is it paradoilia trying to, you know, try, trying to make sense of the complexity of the world that we live in and make a an overarching narrative, you know, well, if there was a secret group behind it, this were and you know, coronavirus, well, if it was the 5G towers, that would actually yeah. explain what's um how how can modern people learn from skepticism uh, uh, to kind of bring it into their lives in the right proportions that they can kind of you know live live with all all of this information and and conflicting stuff that's out there well yeah that's a that's a if i if i had the answer to that question <laughs> but, but it's uh but i think uh I, I think skepticism plays a role here and can play an important role as a as a tool to to um, to sort out sort of uh, uh, views, and I think, but but all of us have to be more open to to skepticism in that sense. I mean, you can't. I think I think that the problem with how skepticism is used, particularly outside of philosophy, is that it's often used as an argument for some kind of dogmatism. So I I. I use the sort of tools and the, 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 the tools of skepticism against your view. And, and that immediately gives my view sort of justification. Uh, right. Which is not the case, obviously, but, mm -hmm. but that's how it's used. So, so skepticism is used as, as, as to ground dogmatism. Right. But of course, the, the lesson we should learn from the ancient tradition is that skepticism is exactly opposed to any kind of dogmatism. So it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the polar opposite of, of dogmatism. Mm. So you can't use skepticism for, uh, for your own sort of dogmatism mm. and for your own, your own beliefs that you've sort of grown up. We, we, need to, we need to sort of take a step back, all of us, and, say, and, 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 and realize that the, skepti the skepticism applies to to my own dogmatism as it does to your dogmatism mm. uh, and and in that and and in that kind of discussion we can then maybe maybe move forward but of course too much skepticism obviously i think would uh, would be a problem too that's where you have to find this balance that i think hume so so interestingly sort of put the put the finger on right between too much skepticism and too too little skepticism and, and uh, but but I mean, knowledge is a social thing. We tend to get knowledge, We tend to get knowledge from from uh, our friends and from sort of sources that we see every day. So it, it has a tendency to 
if, if, we're, if those sources are not the right ones, we just sort of confirm our, our own dogmatisms and falsehoods. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a problem. How do, how do we sort of get over that? And, and I think if we all took, took, took some skepticism sort of uh, on, on board, even towards our own sort of mm. views, uh, that would help, I think, to, to maybe. But but it's not. I mean, skepticism itself is not the solution to the world's problems. <laughs> it can it yeah. can be a it can be a contribution, I think, to the to the <laughs> to the solution. But it can also be a contribution, I think, to the yeah. As any tool, it has to be applied in the right way. Yeah, yeah. So um, a question from the chat that someone's put is, um, this is probably off topic and perhaps a stupid question, but I often hear Hume being quoted by apologists against atheists. And I'm just wondering whether philosophical problems that he identified are as mysterious and unanswered today as in the 1700s, or if atheists are kind of lured into a trap where they're asked to defend 300 year old ideas as if they're as static as uh, scriptures. Uh, yeah, I'm not an atheist. I'm not, I'm not a I'm not a, a, a believer in, in, mm. in any religion either, and I'm I'm not an atheist either. I think Hume's sure. uh, Hume would be uh, would 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 hold the same kind of skepticism towards atheism as he would towards yeah towards Christianity, and that's finding the kind of balance. So I I, I don't uh, in in that sense I, I hold myself sort of to be a skeptic. In the in the ancient kind of sense of skepticism, yeah. that I reject both these dogmatists, dogmatic views of, of atheism. And, and yeah, yeah. Because I, I don't think we can. Certainly, we can't know that there isn't a god, but we can't know that there is a god either. So, I think we have to navigate the world uh, with some doubt here, and with yeah. with probability. I, I think I I am actually very very similar on that position like and i think but i i also recognize there's this human need to identify in a particular with a particular group and uh yeah you know and, and stuff like that as well but I, yeah i'm w wary of that stuff i think i think yeah, but, that, but that, that's true of scientists too scientists identify with their groups i mean philosophers identify with philosophers i mean uh, christians uh, devout christians identify with and and part of Part of this is that we get we get all stuck in our bubbles, and 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 there's there's no discussion across these, uh, uh, or very little anyway, and and it becomes very difficult to to have a, a discussion across these these areas because if you if you sit if you if you believe that you sit on the truth, and why should I listen to you? You just you're just spouting falsities. But skepticism can be then used, I guess, maybe to unlock that belief that you are sitting on the truth. I, I guess may, may, perhaps what um, the question is getting at is, um, you know, have some of Hume's skeptical worries been kind of answered since Hume's time? You know, some, some, of, some of the worries um, that would cut away it kind of, in, in, in his discussion of miracles, Hume has this wonderful discussion of, of evidence. Mm. And he, he, um, he talks at one point about testimonial evidence. And of course, testimonial evidence is, is very important for, uh, for uh, uh, 
uh, a Christian, and and uh, and for a, for a miracle, obviously, because there's usually just there's a testimony to some miracle. Yeah, someone has seen it or or experienced it or whatever. There's just one usually, uh, and and for, for 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 what he says then is that you have to weigh this against evidence for other for other views for scientific views for laws of laws of nature for example he defines a miracle as a violation of a law of nature and and if if you have that view you have on the other hand you have this mountain of evidence for the law of nature and you have one testimonial for for the miracle he says it's just not rational to 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 believe in the miracle when you're faced with that situation it's it's uh if, if if you have the mountain of evidence then of course that must be where where reason should go and and uh, and, and and that's what he says and then and then and, and then uh, that doesn't mean that, that this mountain of evidence can't be wrong uh, but but it's rational at this point to go with this with this uh, uh, mountain of evidence, and, and that's I think how how I think it's a very contemporary view to think of evidence in that in that way. Uh, what is justification? Yeah, it's it's some kind of evidence for for the truth of our beliefs, uh, and and uh, if if you have a lot of evidence, it seems irrational. Not to, not to accept that, um, even if there are. I mean, even if there are no. Given, of course, that there are no absolutes, which I think is what you, you uh, thought. Um, an another question that's come in as well is with regards to um, using probability um, for finding true beliefs. Um, and mm. someone wondering what your kind of thoughts are on on that use of probability, um, and I guess I guess with regards to miracles as well, a lot of the debates tend to use kind of like Bayesian statistics, and um, rather surprisingly, the theists come out with a high number for the probability, and the atheists come out with a low number for the probability. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's not surprising, I guess, because I mean, yeah. you get what you're looking for. In, in, in that debate, I think. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, what what do you think about about this use of probability in general for kind of um, reasoning yeah. about epistemology? I, I mean, I think you you you. I mean, Hume has a very, for example, going back to Hume again. Hume has a has a specific idea about what probability is. For him, it's a kind of frequency idea of probability. So the more frequent uh, uh, something is, the more probable it is. And and uh, and and uh, you can't. On when it comes to matters of fact, he says, "Well, you can't be certain about things because because even though it's very probable, and says that there's a lot of uh, lot of evidence or a lot of frequency occurrence of it that you've been able to identify." That doesn't mean it's 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 certain or true, and, and, and it it only means that it's probable. And and uh, what's important, of course, for him is that even though there's no absolute truth, 
they're sort of methods to which we can we can establish establish what's more or less sort of uh, probable. Uh, and 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 that's what he sees, for example, in in how um, in how Newton has done his uh, uh, the, the Newtonian method, for example. That's how he sees it. Uh, how he sees that. But I and 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 um, I, I would think that that's certainly still applicable. I mean, the, the discussion of, of probability in general is, of course, mm. very yeah very, very difficult today because it's. Uh, there's all kinds of theories, and you must distinguish subjective and objective probabilities, and, and, and things like that. And but this simple kind of frequency model that that Hume uses is still, I think, applicable. So, so another question that's come in regarding um, skepticism and how we kind of live with it would be um, the the question is put growing up in a secular society sweden uh, how do i know whether my skepticism is dogmatic or if it's fair can i ever know given cognitive bias and such uh, how do i well i mean we must put uh, uh, put things to the to a test i guess i mean we we um, that's what we do as, as as rational thinkers and as as philosophers. We we put our ideas and our and other people's ideas to the test, and and see uh, what kind of evidence is it for it? Is it is it uh, does it sort of hang together as a as a belief? Is it consistent? <clears throat> we have ways of of of, uh, of usually determining whether whether things are, are sort of uh, uh, are, are, uh, veridical or not when it comes to our perceptions. Um, and, and I think, I think we must sort of put these things to test, to, to a test. I mean, uh, there are, there are sort of, uh, certainly a lot of dogmatic views around and people holding them. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, we need a, a more, uh, more objective, in some sense, skeptical discussion about about them uh, that doesn't get stuck in these in these just sort of uh, where we're throwing sort of labels at each other and and, and uh, saying no, you're wrong and you're wrong and and get stuck in in the worst kind of scholasticism that yeah uh, that uh, we tend to nowadays get stuck in and and we we really stop listening to. To, to other people's argument and what other people think. And, and, I, and I think uh, social media is, is, uh, is, is really bad for this because I mean, we tend to get confirmed the views that we already have through social media, through the friends we have, through the way uh, uh, you get sort of posts uh, presented to you is, is if you've searched on that before or if you, so you get very little exposure to, to ideas that, uh, and to thoughts and to arguments that isn't your own. And, and I think suddenly philosophy can train you to, 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 uh, to be better at, at, at this. And I think that might be really the best argument for studying philosophy mm -hmm. is that it trains you to exactly do this, to take people's views and to take ideas and defend them or argue against them 
and 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 that's um, that's an enormously important skill, I think, in, in today's world. So, um, but, but we also need something more, obviously, than that. We can't just argue. We need to <laughs> we need to uh, have some method to decide what's true, what's true, and what's not. So, so with bearing in mind um, method, perhaps um, on the, I, I think that if we call this the last question that's uh, coming from the chat, um, and the um, question is asked: With your experience in academia, uh, do you believe people enter fields unbiased or with something to prove? And if they do enter fields with something to prove, is this a major or a minor issue? And I guess. Um, you know like the methodology that's used in academia for finding knowledge and stuff could be could come into that answer yeah yeah well uh, i mean uh, i don't know we all enter i guess whatever we do with something to prove i mean uh, uh, we want to we want to be good we want to succeed in in in, in what we do uh, so i think that's certainly true but but uh on the way, I hope we can learn some some hum, some humility and, and some some skepticism and, and ways to tackle sort of other people's beliefs and our own prejudices because we always come into the to a discussion with our own prejudices and and, and uh, with our own preconceived idea of what's right and what's wrong and what's true and what's false. So I, I think. Um, I think on, if we on the way can learn some humility and, 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 and see others and, and others' arguments for, for, uh, for what they are, I think is, is um, then, then I think academia has to some extent succeeded, I think, uh, and not just uh, created uh, uh, people who, uh, who, uh, who come out uh, with the truth and and, and uh, go on into the world thinking that they know what's best and, and what's uh, what's right always so so are you saying it kind of it it does happen but we should aim at uh we should aim at reducing that like it does happen yes. that people yeah yeah i think so certainly i mean certainly you can see in philosophy that uh, debates that go on are, are stuck in this in this uh, dogmatism where, where people just don't get out of their their own uh, their own ideas and their own views uh, and, and can't see uh, uh, anything with, with anything good with anyone else's view or or with that with uh, with certainly people who who uh, who don't share their basic sort of fundamental idea about what what philosophy is or what science is or, or, or something like that can't see that and then they just dismiss it off, off the top of their head without actually reading it or looking at it or speaking to the people that are and i think there's a lot of that in philosophy but there's certainly a lot of that in in society in general uh, where i think skepticism a real true skeptical attitude where skepticism is the the um, the, op the opposition to dogmatism? I think is 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 really important in today's in today's world. Okay. Um, 
So thank you for your time agreeing to do this interview. Uh, I appreciate it. Your book, Skepticism in Philosophy, a Comprehensive Historical Introduction, is uh, published with Rootledge, right? Is there any way yeah. you want to say for people to go and get that or anything anywhere else where people can contact you or check out your stuff? They can always, uh, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm available online. I'm on Twitter and Facebook and, and you can always contact me there or just look up my, my university homepage where you can write to me. Uh, you know, on my email, obviously. And the book is available, I think, anywhere you can buy books. Okay. Uh, uh, at least online. I mean, yeah. uh, Amazon, you know, the, the big sort of bookstores. Yeah. Uh, and some probably also in some well-stocked university bookstores. If, if you want to look at that. Okay. Well, but I'll put um, links to that stuff, links to your Twitter as well in the description. So if people want to kind of follow up and, and read that book, there's a, a link there and um, you can also go and follow. For, is, is there any um, further kind of work on skepticism planned or is there something else you're looking at at the moment? Actually, the... Today, I'm, I'm, about, I'm writing a book on the philosophy of food. At the moment. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a little bit, well, it's, 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 uh, it's related to some extent, but it's, uh, but it's, uh, it's also diff quite different. Great. Well, um, I've really enjoyed talking to you um, and thank you for your time. I'll end the stream there. Okay. Thank you very much.